Chapter Thirteen of the Boy Scouts in the Rockies. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Boy Scouts in the Rockies by Herbert Carter. Chapter Thirteen: The Safest Way of Shooting a Grizzly. Meanwhile, how fared the ambitious bighorn hunters? They had started out filled with determination to accomplish something, even if it took a couple of days. Indeed, the guide had said to Thad before leaving that none of them need worry if the party failed to show up at nightfall. The distances were so great and the mountain climbing of such a stupendous character that they might have to put in better part of several days reaching the feeding ground of the animals and getting the coveted chance for a shot or two. When noon came, it found them climbing steadily. They were entirely out of sight of the valley where the camp lay, so that they could not have knowledge of what was happening in that quarter. But so set were the boys on what had taken them forth that for the time being they felt perfectly satisfied to forget about other matters. Talk about your wild country, remarked Stephen, when they all came to a little stop to eat a snack and rest so as to be ready for a further climb. It sure takes a cake for me. Why, that poor little Blue Ridge country, and you could put it all in a pocket here, and it wouldn't be missed. Well, remarked Smithy, who was bearing up under the strain in a manner that would have pleased the scoutmaster, could have been along to notice it. You want to be exceedingly careful how you say that before our hot-blooded southern chum Bob White, unless you're ready to get into a war of words. Oh, excuse me, chuckled Stephen. I wouldn't feel guilty of hurting Bob's pride even in a little bit. I know he thinks that land of the sky country better than most other places. Well, it takes a lot of different people to make a world, doesn't it, fellas? That's right it does, remarked Davy Jones, who had managed to snap off several pictures as they came along, but was trying to say most of his exposures for things that would count, live subjects, in fact. How much further do we have to climb, Toby? asked Smithy, trying to appear rather indifferent about it, though the others just knew he must feel the strain more than any of them, because Smithy had never been much of an athlete, and up to date he had yet to play in his first baseball game, strange to say. Well, that depends on a good many things, the guide responded. First of all, we don't know as yet just where the sheep may be feeding. I'm headed for a place where I've seen him many a time, when I was a prospecting through this country. Oh, so you had a touch of the lost mine fever, did you? quickly remarked Smithy. For up to the present time, Toby has never said so much as admitted this fact, but now he grinned and went on. Well, yes, I've taken my look and had just the same luck as all the rest. But about them bighorns, boys, if they don't happen to be where I'm headed first, then we go down to another two hours, but chances are we'll find a flock in one of them places and get a shot before nightfall sets in. With this company thought, then, the little party once more started out, after an hour's rest and refreshment. Smithy was doubtlessly feeling considerably better. He never complained, even while he limped sadly at times, and once came near losing his grip when swinging across a bad place in the trail, so that he might even have fallen, only that the guide readily threw an arm around him, Having been keeping conveniently near, Smithy was proving one thing, at least. He may never turn out to be much of a hunter, but he surely possessed his father's spirit when it came to the same qualities 
and when he went back home all the maiden ants in creation would never be able to bring that boy back again to the docile habits that had marked him heretofore thanks to women's training smithy had a taste of real outdoors and would never be satisfied again to live in an old sissy rut it was about an hour after the stop that without warning the little party suddenly came upon a monstrous grizzly bear slowly he was making his way diagonally across the tracks they were following at the sight of them the animal reared up on his hindquarters and seemed to be trying to make up his mind whether he ought to attack these queer two-legged creatures or go on about his own business Stephen had raised his gun to his shoulder but instantly the guide clapped a hand over the lock there were no convenient trees in which they could take shelter from an enraged gizzly and toby smathers knew too much about these animals to have any wish to find one rushing at him wild with rage from a womb snap click got him that time said a delighted voice of course it was davy jones he had swung that kodak of his around calmly focusing on the grizzly as the animal reared himself up to a terrible height and then pressed the button and perhaps after all that was the safest kind of shooting when it came to a matter of grizzly bears even one of these ferocious species would hardly offer any serious objections to having his likeness preserved for future generations to gaze upon keep still all of you warned the guide who was holding his own rifle in readiness for instant use should the bear conclude to charge them we ain't lost any mountain charlies today as i know on big horns is what we come after let him take himself or he will and a good rins too i says which the enormous beast finally concluded to do perhaps he had his dinner and was not feeling in particularly aggressive mood no matter what the cause all the boys heaved a sigh of positive relief when he shuffled away looking back over his shoulder several times just like he wanted a half an excuse for getting his mad up explained stephen he had a chip on his shoulder all right i guess i'm glad you didn't let me start in on him toby i might have missed knocking him over for keeps and then would a nice pickle we'd all be in excuse me from tackling on a moving mountain like that when trees are as scarce as hen's teeth and i'm really glad too you didn't fire admitted smithy who had turned somewhat white during the minute of dreadful suspense well he stared at the monster squatted in their path i was ready to back up but then what could you expect from a greenhorn i never wished so much that i'd taken to this sort of thing before as i did when that fearful beast was looking at me just as if to say you're the tenderest of the lot smithy and i think i'll choose you if i have any room for more inside of me the other boys laughed at his words on the whole they thought smithy had carried himself rather credibly all things considered and each knew down deep in his secret soul that his own heart had seemed to stand still while his blood ran cold as he stood there awaiting the decision of the bear they glanced around rather fearfully for some little time after that but as nothing was seen again of the mountain terror they finally concluded that the incident was closed again their thoughts went on toward the singular game they had come after many an ambitious hunter had sought to shoot a bighorn sheep in the rockies and was compelled to give it up in the end as useless so toby had informed them the conditions were generally very difficult and the game so shy besides their sense of impending danger seemed to be abnormally developed and on account of the rocky formation of the slopes where they found bunches of grass in the crevice it was awful next to impossible to stalk them from leeward 
the tired boys were thrilled to the core when toby finally announced that he had a glimpse of the game of course they became wildly excited in demanding that he show them creeping carefully up to a certain outcrop rock they peered around its edge and for the first time in their lives davy smithy and stephen found themselves looking upon the queer animals that seemed to live in the wildest parts of the rockies taking delight in bounding from crag to crag and baffling the skill of most experienced chamois hunters to get within gunshot of their lofty eyes there were seven or eight of the sheep and as they were really just within gun range the boys could get a splendid view of them they admired the tremendous curved horns greatly and stephen quivered with eagerness to say that he had shot a rocky mountain sheep all by himself while davy clicked his camera several times so that he at least might have a picture in case they could get no nearer i can't be sure i've even hiding one from here whispered stephen turning around appealing to the guide ain't it possible to creep up closer toby oh please fix it for us won't you just as though the guide had it in his power to do anything he wanted but fortunately the lay of the mountain allowed toby to arrange it and he soon mapped out a route that they might crawl along keeping well hidden from the feeding sheep and getting gradually closer besides it happened that luck was working overtime in their favor because the animals happened to be feeding toward them now and only two or three could be seen nibbling at the turfs of grass or leaping across some small fissure that tried to block them from others tempting pastures the whole seven would be in sight at the same moment after advancing slowly and carefully for some time toby made motions that they dare not go any further he also let them know by signs that as the sheep were still coming in a line toward them all they had to do was to lie quiet and wait until the right moment that was a period of great excitement to the scouts two of them clutching their guns and hands that would tremble in spite of them while the third was trying to find the best spot to hold his kodak with a view of snapping off a picture just before the critical seconds came for shooting stephen and smithy had even gone so far as to select which one of the seven sheep they hoped to get as they lay there peeking out over their rocky shelter it can be taken for granted that each of them had eyes for his particular quarry only and finally toby touched the shoulder of the kodak owner as a signal that he had better be getting to work end of chapter thirteen recording by kenneth sergeant gagan